So you're a podcast listener. That's awesome. Did you know that you can enjoy an even better listening experience with the new Pocket Casts app? With powerful search and discovery tools, they've made it easier than ever before to find your next favourite podcast. It was even recognised by Wired Magazine as the podcast app every iPhone user needs. Pocket Casts is a beautifully designed and easy to use app that offers amazing features like play without subscribing and advanced episode search. It helps you quickly discover and enjoy your favourite podcast with more than half a million shows to choose from. Change can be hard, but sometimes it's worth it. Download Pocket Casts today from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store or on the web at pocketcasts.com. Listen to Game Time. Welcome to Game Time Extra, our little mini pod. I'm going to kick it off with the tennis. Yes. Nadal winning his 11th French Open final. The man does not lose on clay. (coughs) He's lost two matches in ever. At the French Open. <laughs> in ever. And I, I th- at the French Open, I think he's only ever lost two matches. One of them was to Robin Soling in 2009. Big upset, that And is. then Novak Djokovic in 2015, I believe. He had a record from 2015, before this, dating back to 2015, before this tournament. He hadn't dropped a single set in three years on clay. Like, not a single set. That's unbelievable. Until uh, his quarter-final match with uh, Del Potro. No. Diego Schwartzman. Diego Schwartzman. There you go. I was thinking of his semi-final match, which he breathed through Del Potro, who I thought was going to be possibly the guy to challenge him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Schwartzman, before he got called off by Reyn and saved Nadal, Schwartzman was bossing it. Yeah, he really was. Um, his forehand was phenomenal playing against Nadal's backhand, trashing him around the court. It started raining, went off, came back the next day. And the doll just went back to being the most unstoppable player ever. I mean, I was watching him in his sort of opening matches, and I was like, "This is the best I've ever seen any tennis player play." Yeah. It was just—he's—he is unbeatable. I can't. There is no player from the past ten years that I can see beating him on clay, and that's obvious because he's lost one to Djokovic. No, and in the la- and then the one to Soderling in two thousand nine. Um, He's he's probably going to be winning on clay until he retires. I, I'm yeah. I'm going to say. I think as soon as the possibility that he isn't like guaranteed to win on clay, I think that's when he'll retire. Yeah. Until then, he'll keep going. He's got an unbelievable, unbelievable percentage on clay. Like he just does. Well, like it's you stupid. said, he doesn't lose. And I think one set in three years. I'm not the biggest fan of Nadal, just from a coaching perspective. I think he plays quite an efficient tennis. That's why Clay suits him very well. Yeah. But he's an unbelievable player. It's his forehand, which is just like loops above your head, bounces, and then comes up back to head height and stops on the clay so you can't hit it. I have such a petty hatred for Nadal. And it's, like I said, from a coaching perspective, because when I used to coach tennis, kids just used to, they used to hit normal forehands. Like you teach them, you teach them <laughs> to follow through the scarf. It was fine. Then Rafa Nadal rocks up. All of a sudden, kids are trying to swing the ball over their heads. The ball's going left, right and centre. I'm losing money as these balls go flying into forests. Um, and I had to teach so many kids out of using the Nadal forehand. I have the same with uh, when Lassus Malinga starts playing. And I, because I, I coach cricket. And like, like Malinga starts, like, every, the kids grow up to watch Malinga and then start throwing it, like, to the <laughs> side. But um, I'm going to be I'm sort of one of the players that mimics Nadal a bit. I've got his old racket. or Well, I've got the new version of his racket fanboy um no it just it just suits the way i play and i do play a bit not nowhere near as good as nadal obviously but it's a very similar sort of style um but you know he's just phenomenal and no other player plays like him 
for a reason. He's not a left-handed player either, nope. which is why it works so well. He's right. Well, I mean, right, he's a left-handed player, but he's right-handed. He got taught by his uncle when he was really young to uh, play left-handed, and that's why it works so well. Is because his backhand, sorry, his forehand going into a right-handed backhand hmm. uh, is so so difficult to play. And the only player, that, especially single-handed players, because Roger Federer is the only player that's actually managed to combat that. Hmm. Um, with his single-handed backhand. Like, you watch him against Gasquet. He destroyed him because Gasquet couldn't handle Nadal's forehand with his single-handed backhand, um, which is why he's so, so good. And I reckon he's probably got at least another four years in him at this rate. Um, I mean, I expect, like, considering play on clay, he might do what Federer did. Mm. And because Federer misses the clay court season now after last year, but then he went on to win Wimbledon, which is, you know, a fair enough uh, sort of, like, um, compromise. Yeah, I think Federer's done very, very well to cherry pick his tournaments. He has. I think he knows he's never going to beat Nadal on clay, so he doesn't really feel there's any point, and he knows grass is his strong point. Yeah. He loves playing at Wimbledon. So for him, it, like you said, it's a perfect compromise. Rests through Roland Garros, doesn't need to stretch himself, and then he comes into Wimbledon, the <coughs> fresher man. Yeah. Um, and even at his age, what, 37 years old is he now? Oh, something six years ridiculous old? like that. He's, yeah, so he's a really great shout, especially with Mario recovering from his hip surgery, mm. which we, we'll hope he'll be at Wimbledon, but he definitely won't be 100%. No. So, and with Djokovic, just have never recovered his top form since he's come back for the last two years or however long it's been. Um, I just, I say it'll be a, probably an Adal Federer final, and I wouldn't be able to call that, but... It, Wimbledon could be really, really interesting with the amount of young players they've got. Um, Alexander Zverev needs to grab his chance. He's world number three, but I feel like he's only world number three because a lot of players are injured at the moment. Yeah. He ne- he's, he's been sort of hyped up for the last few years. Going, yeah. You're going to be a world number one. You're going to be a world number one. And I think he realises that he's going to be a world I number think he's one. He's in like a fifth gear at the moment. He yeah. just needs to kick it up one more to be, to like to get there mm. but he's playing he's at world number three in like not his best tennis yeah. he's got one of the best backhands in world tennis um, so fluid but yeah he's got one more sort of he's a bit more to give and he could be there but and so you've got so many players like Dominic Team, obviously reaching the final really showing his potential he'll be a Grand Slam winner no doubt Dimitrov's always he's been in the top ten for the last five years or something he's got potential as well he just maybe needs maybe it's something like finding the right coach just click mm. And kicking it on, but I'm no doubt these players will have a Grand Slam, either finals or victories in their career, well, especially when sort of the old guard do retire. Because there's a lot of them there at the moment. You've got Dal Potro's old, obviously Dal Federer. Djokovic won't have that long left. Murray's not got a massive time left. Kevin Anderson, who's in the t- number seven or eight in the world, very old. Um, so there's this time is the time is now for these. Uh, young players to sort of be stepping up and then when the old guard retire they can really kick it up and take over the the world of tennis mm. and, and no disrespect to some of the players that are in the top 10 at the moment but I feel like if the likes of Kevin Anderson are in the top 10 and he's not a bad tennis player he's just a very big serve yeah. you can see that there's something not wrong with tennis because that's not fair <laughs> because he's earned that but <coughs> there are players missing because your Zverevs are your are your what I would say your typical tennis player. He is all round. Yes. Whereas your Anderson, your John Isners, they're just a big serve. But then players make careers off big serves. Yeah. Karlovic, Andy Roddick, exactly. They, they make careers off that, and 
unfortunately for, I think, tennis in the next few years, in the sort of post-Roger, post-Nadal era, there's going to be a really weird sort of transition yeah i don't it's going to be a bit like the women's game when no one really takes it when serena isn't yeah isn't number one there's going to be this like wishy-washy yeah there is the women's game is so the rankings are so mixed up and they yeah. they just change around so often because there's no order like when you've got the, the big four with federer and adal murray and Djokovic, they were just top four constantly and they would switch around a tiny bit depending on who won the major yeah um, but yeah, the women's one is so mixed up. Uh, do you want to guess what ranking Andy Murray is in the world at the moment, considering he hasn't played in a year? Uh, he was he was world number one. When yeah, he, so he was number one when he retired or retired when he when he injured himself. Went on a break, being injured. I'm gonna say he's like I don't know sixtieth, hundred and fifty-seven. Oh man, he he's got... the British number three. You've what? got Carl so, Edmund, who's ranked eighteen. Yeah, and then Cameron Norrie's seventy-nine. Cameron Norrie, yeah, he's not a bad player. Yeah, not he's bad. getting there. I mean, Murray will just shoot straight back up the rankings. Yeah, he will. He'll enter one tournament and he'll end up getting ranked. <laughs> well, I think Djokovic is about 40th at the moment. He's... Oh, no, he'll get, he'll get kicked up because of his, I think, is it fourth round or quarter final at French, the French yeah. Open? Um, He's having a bigger hangover from injury than I thought he was going to have. Yeah. He hasn't... Uh, what Right, so when he was world number one, he was world number one for about three years and didn't get topped. He was, Again, he was unbeatable because the thing about Djokovic, he doesn't really have anything... Like any particular standout mm. <laughs> point in his game, like uh, Nadal's got his ridiculous forehand and spin. Federer's got a really brilliant serve, a great backhand, and it's so he's just so stylish. Like he, you can't, he can hit winners from anywhere. Djokovic didn't have like one thing, but he just was so good at defending that you could never hit a winner past him. Yeah, and he would just outlast you in a rally and then pull out like the shots he would make, like. You watch him at the US Open about three years ago. Nothing. He would just do splits on the court, on hard court. It's not like clay where you can slide. He would do splits on a hard court, chip it back, get up, and then like hit an overhead smash to win a point. Um, he just hasn't quite got that yet. It's like to be playing like that, you need to be a hundred percent every match, and he's just not there. He's maybe about ninety, and that for that people can hit winners past him, and he just can't climb the rankings and get up to uh, that sort of top four again. Um, so I think I don't know how long he's got left if he can't get that back mm. um, but uh, yeah we'll, we'll have to see we'll have to wait and see if he can uh, if he can regain his form that he had from a few years ago I reckon he will when he's 100% maybe we'll see speaking of other people at the French Open and we were talking about the women Halep she finally did it she did she finally because she is <coughs> is probably the best women's tennis player at the moment. I mean, yeah, considering Serena's coming back from pregnancy. Unbelievable tennis player. But that Grand Slam just always eluded her. Um, and then she finally did it. She beat um, Sloane Stephens. Yeah, you can see America. the emotion in her face when she oh, won yeah. it. Um, I was, honest, I was backing Sloane Stephens actually to win. She um, took the first set, didn't she? She did. And she was, uh, she was playing really, really well. And she sort of went under the radar a bit. She was ranked 10th. I think she's now going to be ranked 4th in the world now. Um... But she's never. She hadn't really done anything massive before. Mm. Um, but I mean, America always produced great tennis players, and she was yeah. just one of those that sort of slipped under the radar and did really, really well to get the final. So she's definitely one to watch because she's really not very old at all. No. Um, so keep an eye on her. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, I think it's enough for tennis. Uh, I'll mention the Formula One. Uh, we had the Canada Grand Prix yeah. yesterday at time of recording, so Sunday, obviously. Uh, 
it's the most interesting season in a while. Mm. Um, I think that was the, it was the best qualifying we've had this year uh, with Vettel on top and the top six very mixed up. Hamilton qualified fourth, Verstappen third, Bottas second. Bottas, the only man to have out-qualified Hamilton at Canada other than Nico Rosberg. Um, the race itself was a bit dull. They think they, t- they were the wrong tyre compounds. There needs to be something else in races to mix the rating up a bit. Because um, the just there isn't enough excitement in races. But the championship is very interesting. Hamilton's a point behind Vettel. Uh, Mercedes not firing as well as they have done. Sort of well, from last year, definitely. So this is definitely going to be a season you can watch till the end. Because it'll be very, very close. It could come down to that last race where uh, it gets decided. Which, you know, hopefully brings some of the excitement back to Formula 1 with its... Definitely losing sort of viewer viewership and fan fan support at the moment, just because it is it's been so one sided. Whether it was Red Bull years ago and then Mercedes have now you know been so so dominant. So the next race coming up is the French Grand Prix, um, which is new actually. I think I don't know if they had it last year. Um, so that's the twenty second of June. So that could kick off something as well. Something very interesting there. Um, a lot of French-speaking drivers as well, which is really, really interesting. Um, and there's a lot of young guns coming through in Formula 1. So it's going it's going to exciting places, but I think it's still got a way to go still. Um, and they need to have a big sort of rule, ch- some very interesting rule changes to make it more interesting. Um, so Scotland beat England. Oh, God, don't even get me started. How? <laughs> I don't they know. Won- I didn't even know Scotland played cricket. There's a lot of these weird teams, right? Like Scotland... And the Netherlands, and then a few teams like Kenya and like Namibia play or something weird. Mm. They play cricket. Um, it was just a, a just a single like ODI match, and they beat us by six runs. We have some of the best batsmen in the world. I would do air quotes, but it's obviously a podcast, so you can't see me. Um, <laughs> webcam's coming soon. Uh, but how does it like? We got uh, Johnny Besto went and scored 104 opening, and then no one else made it past 50. There were a couple of 40s in there, but we had, I think, 370 to to beat, and we couldn't get there in against 50 overs. Scotland. Against Scotland. Like, imagine losing to Scotland of football. It's that embarrassing. Um, <laughs> we, of course, just came off the, the test results of losing one and winning one against Pakistan. The first test of that was embarrassing because we just couldn't bat. Um, and we got saved by Joss Butler, who was playing his first test in ages. And Don Bess, who was playing his debut and scored 50-odd. Um, second test was all right, a bit more promising. And everyone everyone got themselves in in the second test batting. Um, there were no massive scores, but that's what we need at the moment. So hopefully for the test side, we can stick with like, that team and try and get them to develop it more. But God, that's embarrassing, losing to Scotland. And no credit, no like discredit to Scotland. They did well. Um, but something needs to happen there with that England ODI squad. <laughs> Jesus. Um, that's embarrassing um, I can't bother to kind of talk about the county championship but as we're talking Nottinghamshire are doing really badly which is a kick in the teeth for me because I like Nottinghamshire um, uh, I'm going to talk about the rugby union really really quickly as well England starting the tour with South Africa lost in what was a thrilling match we were 24-3 up against South Africa they would then go and score three tries to make it 27-24 uh, and then it just goes on and on and on. I think there were 10 tries in total. We lost 42-39. So within three points. Um, mental game. Obviously, we've, we've a very changed squad. We've got brought through a lot of young players who 
looking promising and really need to develop their sort of skills on an international level. But whenever you go to the Southern Hemisphere to play the top three teams, anything can happen and they can just show their class whenever. Um, so credit to Africa. We've got two more tests, so hopefully we can show how good we are in the next two and uh, hopefully take home with a series victory. And if we do, that's really, really promising because with the, te- the players playing, young players that have only ever had two substitute caps before. Um, and a big change-up in the back as well. We had Elliot Daly playing at fullback. Mike Brown, who's played at fullback for England for, got the last eight years or something, playing at left wing. And then uh, Johnny May on the other side as well. Anthony Watson injured, of course, so he'll be a big asset when he returns. And then a very, very uh, improvised pack as well. So hopefully they can show how good they are and stop South Africa from scoring next test, uh, which is Saturday the 16th this Africa England at 5 past 4. So we'll watch that. Hopefully will be a bit more promising. We've also got New Zealand, France and Australia, Ireland, which could be some really, really great matches as well. Ireland putting okay, really good showing against Australia as well. So keep an eye out for that next weekend. We'll be mentioning that on our podcast next week. Thank you for listening to Game Time Extra, our mini pod of all sports going on in the world. If you enjoyed that, you can follow us on Twitter at GameTime underscore pod. Uh, we'll be posting this on all podcasting platforms, YouTube, Game Time Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, all your regular podcasting uh, apps. And if you're really, really interested, you can email us gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com of any of your thoughts and anything you'd like us to talk about in the future.